I'm Ed Gross, and you're listening to CloserWeekly.com's classic TV and film podcast, where we celebrate the golden age of television and movies, then and now. When you think about Vicki Lawrence, you can't help but remember The Carol Burnett Show, the most classic of classic TV comedy variety shows. It's the show that introduced it to the world, and which she was a part of through its entire 1967 to 1978 run. During that period, she also had a number one record in the form of 1973's The Night That the Lights Went Out in Georgia. But even more importantly, a year later, she portrayed the character of Mama in a sketch on the show, and that character took on a life of its own, continuing to propel Vicky in new directions from the standalone comedy series Mama's Family to the current two-woman, though it's really just her, show. We had the chance to talk to Vicky about all of this, as well as her efforts as a spokesperson for CIU, a disease that she, along with two and a half million other people, suffer from. So you're ready to dive into this? I guess so. I can wait if you want. We don't have to dive. We can just sort of put our toe in the water and see how it goes. <laughs> just kind of walk carefully into the shallow end? There you go. There you go. <laughs> that's, that's the way. Yeah, all right. Well, let me let me start with obviously something that's very important to you, which is the whole CIU thing. And yeah, what I would like to do is to give people who don't know a sense of what it is and what it's like to live with it. Well, I think the thing is, uh, a lot of people have never even heard of it, including myself when I got my diagnosis. And um, it's I mean, we've all heard of hives. Right. And um I, well, I just, I guess the best way is just to tell you what happened to me. I woke up one morning, like about 10 years ago, with uh, the palms of my hands itching. And um, I went downstairs. My husband was already watching the news. And I, uh, I, I made a joke. I said, we need to buy a lottery ticket tonight because obviously I'm coming into a lot of money because my hands are itching <laughs> like mad. Right. So we laughed about it. We sat there for a few minutes. And, and then I went, okay, they're really bugging me. So I thought, well, what would you do for an allergic? It's obviously some sort of an allergic reaction. So I went in the kitchen and I uh, plunged them into a, a big bowl of ice water. Gone. Don't think anything about it. The next morning I wake up and it's like Groundhog Day. My hands are itching again. Oh, wow. okay. And now I'm going, okay, this is really weird. So I go downstairs. I don't say anything to Al this morning. And I'm back in the ice water, and I go, this is really, really weird. I don't think anything about it until I'm walking the dogs later that morning, and all of a sudden, everything starts itching. My abdomen, my chest, my wow. arms, my back, my my hips. And I walked the dogs home so fast. I was like, you guys, whatever it is, get rid of it now, because mama's got to get home. And I walked in the house, and I went to, I beelined into the powder room, and I was like, what's going on? I pulled up, I pulled up my shirt, and there were like welts everywhere oh, my, God. everywhere my fingers had gone. There were like big, giant welts. And I said, I just feel like I want to go dive in the cold bay. That just sounds so good to me. And he said, okay, well, that's probably not the right answer. Let's go to an allergist. So we went to our allergist, the guy that we've seen for years, who's helped us with everything, you know, raising the kids and everything. I'm sorry, I'm out of breath. I went running up the stairs to get away from the dogs because I know they're <laughs> going to bark. Anyway. <laughs> no no worries. We're all good. Um, We're all good. <laughs> so we went to our allergist. He said, yeah, everybody everybody breaks out in hives at some point in their life. And I'm like, do I, then, do I need to do the scratch testing? Do I need to? He said, no, no, no. We'll get rid of it. He said, it's probably nothing. And uh, so we did for literally for six weeks, everything you can think that you would do for an allergic reaction to no avail. 
and they would come and they would go. And I got very proficient at taking cold showers. I'd get in the shower and I'd just keep turning it down till it was so cold. I could hardly stand it. I'd jump out of the shower. I would slather myself with menthol lotion and just like crash on the bed, just hoping I would pass out for a little while. And I would, you know, I took, I did take pictures because, you know, they would start as like bombs and then they would merge together into little islands. And then the islands would turn into continents. And I remember at one point wondering if I was ever really going to have normal looking skin again. Yeah. Because, you know, I have, I'm blessed with my mother's good skin and I'm just like, God, it's never going to look normal again. Anyway, six weeks, we're back and forth. We're doing everything the doctor can think of. And I go in at the end of six weeks for my appointment, and he said, I'm going to diagnose you with, C- with CIU. And I said, all right, what is CIU? He said, chronic idiopathic urticaria. And I, I thought, oh, my God, what is this? I've <laughs> never heard such a mouthful. Yeah, really. Never heard of it. He, um, I was fortunate that he was familiar with uh, CIU. So we were able to get my hives under control, but I, you know, I went home and immediately started Googling and there was no information on the web about CIU. There were, you know, some chat rooms, people asking questions. Has this happened to anybody? Does anybody know what this is? But no good information. So after uh, like probably a year or so after I got myself under control, I had an opportunity to join forces with the Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America. And uh, this website, which is um, made possible by Genentech and Novartis, so a lot of very smart people that put together all this information for people who are searching for these answers. And uh, I am the face of hives. I am the poster child for hives, and I'm happy to be out there getting the word out. And now when you Google CIU, you know, we pop right up, and, and it's really a nice website. It's got a lot of good information for people who are searching and uh, I've talked to people that have been searching for years, literally. Wow. Um, I've talked to a woman that cried because she said, if I had only had this website when I was going through this, I talked to a woman who had a giant notebook, you know, you know everything that had happened to her, that she, all the doctors she's, I talked to a woman that went to 26 doctors before she got a diagnosis. Wow. She said, most of whom would say, I think this is just, you're just going to have to live with us. Oh, great. That's so helpful. Thank you. out there are two and a half million of us uh, that have this condition in the country and um, uh, mostly women. Of course, I maintain women get to go through most of the fun stuff. <laughs> they do, don't they? Yes. But, uh, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Want a baby? It's sure. Want to have a cycle every 30 days? Sure. Between... <laughs> <laughs> it's usually women 20 to 40, so I am an overachiever. This didn't happen to me until I was God, I probably was close to 60 years old when it happened to me. Do we do a little um, parade? Yeah. Anyway, she made it to 60 it, without it. <laughs> it can be a little frustrating. Sure. Absolutely. It can be a little frustrating for people. So I'm, I'm really happy to be getting the word out there for them. Now, what changed, though, in the sense of, yes, you got involved with the group, but the, now suddenly, like you said, you, you look it up and the website pops up. How did the awareness grow, though? Was it just reaching out and talking to people and, and alerting them or filling yeah, them in saying, I think so. okay. Well, I mean, I think it's nice to have a celebrity face on board that that can help get the word out, that can, you know, do an interview and people might listen. And, you know, like people might listen to your podcast. I mean, I can't tell you how many interviews I've done where 
literally the the uh, stage manager will throw his headset off and go, I got to go call my mom. I think this is her. Oh, wow. You know, people that have just been looking forever, but because they're honestly, there are not, I think the website has been educational for doctors as well. There are not, there are not a lot of doctors that know about CIU. Right. Um, come to find out, you know, just from talking to people. So the trick is to find the allergist uh, that is familiar with CIU so that you can put a treatment plan together for yourself. It is uh, treatable. It's not curable, but it's definitely controllable. And um, so for people that are looking, I'm just, you know, I hope, I hope that, you know, maybe they're listening and they'll go, oh my God, I, I got to call, you know, I got to talk to my sister or, right. you know, who knows who's listening. And how fast the word travels once, once I think somebody that people know gets on board. Yeah. So I'm happy to be helping. Yeah. I understand it's impacted your life in the sense that you have it and you're dealing with it and you're keeping it under control and stuff. But getting this involved and impacting on other people by bringing awareness to them, does that impact on you personally? I mean, do you have personal feelings about the fact that that's happening? Well, I think anytime you help people and they break out in tears when they meet you, I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, you feel I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> like maybe you're doing something to help a little bit. It's nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it, it's great for people. You know, I think people will open up more to somebody that they, that they've seen on TV and maybe, you know, share their stories. And it's been quite interesting to hear the stories of, of what people have gone through. Right. Searching for answers. Yeah. Have you always been as empathetic as you're sounding uh, with all these people now? I mean, is that something you've always been or is that sort of a new discovery? For you? I mean, I have no idea, you know, in your personal life, how you are. Uh, so I'm just wondering if that empathy is something that's been there all along. I don't mean that insultingly. I'm just asking you because sometimes you go through something and it's like, wow, you know, and you make this connection with these people on this whole other level than you ever have before. Yeah, no, that's probably true. But I think I've always been empathetic, certainly to women's issues and female stuff because being a woman I've gone through a lot of that so yeah. <laughs> fair enough <laughs> it's easy to be empathetic <laughs> good <laughs> I was just gonna say when I was asking the question I'm thinking to myself is this a really stupid question <laughs> that's what I'm like asking well, <laughs> I, I don't know I think you automatically become empathetic when you go through something like this don't sure. you like I would oh my think. god this is what people are going through yeah, yeah absolutely now, this is going yeah. to be an interesting segue. You know, you brought up the fact that you're a woman. You've gone through these things and all that. You're also a woman who's doing a quote-unquote two-woman show. What? I am. What is that? I, I am, know. Yeah. <laughs> What's that all about? Talk to me about that, what you're doing with that show. Well, it's my one-woman show, but I knew that when I put it together, everybody wanted to see Mama because everybody loves her so much. I mean, she's real for a lot of my fans. I often feel like, People think I'm like Superman, run into the, you know, they'll say to me all the time, where's mama? Like run into the phone booth and turn into mama. Right. Like people really consider her like a real person. So I knew she had to be a big part of the show, but I'm really not mama. And <gasps> I really no. need to be me before I'm not anymore. So when we put the show together, uh, I said, let's call it, it's a one woman show, but let's call it Vicky Lawrence and Mama, a two woman show. And isn't that a cute title? <laughs> All right. Well, that worked. Yes. <laughs> so that's what I that's what I was thinking. Ed, we are two distinctly different women, both of whom I hope are very funny and entertaining. <laughs> and, and I believe you are. Both different. of you are. <laughs> but, so, what is the nature of the show, though? I mean, is it is it just reflecting? Is it telling stories? I mean, what what is the nature of the show in its two parts? Well, my my half of the show, I basically I open for Mama, and my half of the show is largely autobiographical. 
it's like every single question that people would ask me if we were to bump up the lights like Carol used to do and take questions and answers. It's how, how did you meet Carol? Uh, how in the heck did you have one hit record? How did you become a redhead? How did you meet your husband? How did mama happen? What, you know, it's just everything that I know everybody wants to hear. And it's interesting. It seems like the further away we get from the Burnett show, the more of a mystery and a special thing it becomes for people. And, and the nature of the world has changed so much that people just love hearing how showbiz used to be, Yeah, you know, and all the backstories and, uh, because it's a lot different now. It was, uh, it was a different time. And, um, I think people really just love hearing all those stories. So then we just, I take a, a little break. We run some outtakes from mama's family and then mama comes out and that's sort of my chance to, uh, I said in an interview one time, it was my chance to be Chris rock. And they, they were so appalled that I was going to come out and be <laughs> raunchy. <laughs> well, not, my version of Chris Rock. Right. Let's not get carried away here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mama's version. That's great. <laughs> but it's my chance to say all the things that we're thinking that you just don't say because it's politically incorrect because she's a crazy old lady. Yeah. She can get away with anything. Yeah. You ever use Mama as an excuse to say the things you want to say? <laughs> you know? Sure. <laughs> Hang absolutely. on. Let me get my wig. I got something to say. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Right. Absolutely. You know, standing in front of an audience, you know, you've been doing it for so many years. Is it still exciting to be in front of a live audience? It is. I love it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's the way I grew up. It's the way we did the Burnett show. And um, it's it's really funny. Uh, I was doing a series last year called The Cool Kids. We got canceled, unfortunately. But it was so interesting to me that when I went in to audition for that show, they said, we're going to shoot in front of a live audience. I went, oh, my God how much fun. And they said, you can't believe how many people wouldn't even, actors would not come into the auditions because it was in front of a live audience. Really? I said, that is, oh, that's funny to me. Yeah. Cause yeah, I guess they're used to, they're used to working in film or, or what, but I mean, that's the way I was raised. And, uh, you know, like people will say all the time, what's your most embarrassing moment on stage or, or in front of an audience. And I said, I don't really think embarrassing tracks for a comedian. It's, embarrassing is usually take the ball and run right yeah right exactly <laughs> you know it's yeah here's a golden opportunity to really make an ass of yourself <laughs> <laughs> this is an unscripted ass that i'm making of myself that's right <laughs> no no it's fun when that stuff happens sure. you know and you know like doing a live show you never really know what's going to happen it's a different audience every night and it's um it's just never quite the same. Any, any given audience will have its own sort of personality. Right. And uh, it's never going to go the same way twice. And um, it's just, I always feel like I walk into a room full of uh, fans and I walk out with a room full of friends. You Aww. know, it's just, it's a great, it's, well, it's a wonderful, yeah, it's great. I love it. I don't love the traveling so much. Yeah, well, that could get tired. I'm so crazy about the TSA. Mm. <laughs> Fair the enough. TSA could needs to lighten up a little bit. Little bit. I know it's a hard job, but I know. absolutely, <laughs> that's that that is funny though. But you know, you brought the thing up about how that's when you take the ball and run with it. That used to be one of, I mean, everybody's favorite thing. One of them was about the Carol Burnett show was also when you guys would crack each other up. I mean, there was nothing funnier 
and trying to keep a straight face yeah. when like Tim Conway or somebody was trying yeah. was just making you laugh. And to me, that was like, uh-huh. that was great TV. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. And I think the thing about the Burnett show is people really felt like they were there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really, you really feel like you're watching live TV. I mean, it was live. It was live on tape. Right. And we used to do two shows. We'd do an afternoon and then we'd have a little break and then we'd do an evening and it was live. And we were out of there on Friday nights by, I don't know, nine o'clock. And uh, you could set your watch by the way that show ran. Right. It was, it was an amazing experience. And then, I mean, an incredible place to grow up, really, to, to learn, you know. I mean, I feel like I went to the Harvard School of Comedy in front of America. Yeah, so, absolutely. Very lucky. And it's also lucky it, me. Yes, very, very much so. And it's interesting, though. It's like you know, people always say, "Well, did you know back then you were creating a classic?" Well, of course you didn't know back then you were making a classic. But no. did you know that you were doing something that stood apart from other variety shows of the era? Did I know? I mean, I was young. Did I know? <laughs> no, I mean, is there any sense of the fact <laughs> we're doing something sure different? I knew. Yeah. Because the show stood out so much from other shows and has st- stood the test of time. Yeah, I did. And it was, I think, was uh, largely different um, because we weren't very topical. Okay. You know, a lot of the other variety shows were kind of topical. Oh, interesting. But, and I, I think, too, she just had, Carol had the best of the best working on that show. I mean, the best writers, the that we had a 26-piece orchestra. We had, we had Bob Mackie doing the most incredible costumes. And, and I will say to their credit, Carol and her husband would hire the very best people and then uh, just let them go, let them create. And, you know, there's now, or even normally, there's always people standing around nitpicking and getting involved where they shouldn't be. Right. And I think, um, you know, I've often had people say, what exactly is it that an executive producer does? He hires the very best people and then he stands back and lets them do their job. Yeah. And and really is just a great cheerleader for the company. And that's the way they ran the show. And Carol also is such a very special person to work for and with. Just there aren't a lot of Carols in showbiz right. in the world. There are not a lot of Carols. And um, she's just so nurturing and caring and just fun. I mean, she always called it playing in the sandbox. Right. And it still is that for her. And she's just, you know, she still just lights up a room when she walks in. She's a very special person. Is that why you think the show is still like holds such a special place in people's hearts today? So many years later after you know it ended? Well, I think that's probably one of the reasons because she is so beloved. But I think the chemistry of the cast was amazing. And I think the fact that a large part of the country can remember the Carol Burnett show when there were only three networks, when the entire nation tuned into that show. Right. I'll tell you a funny story. When we were doing the Cool Kids, uh, the producers came down one week to tell us that our ratings were up and they were really thrilled. And I think we were at a 3.5. I don't know. We were at three or four. Single digit, okay. single digit, but they were very, they were very thrilled and we were winning the time slot. And it just so happened that that week we had Patrick Duffy as a guest star. And I looked down the, we were at a, it was a table reading. I looked down the table at Patrick and I said, Patrick, I said, what were the ratings on Dallas uh, <laughs> when JR was, who shot JR? Right. He said it was 30, 35 share. Yeah. 
And the whole table was looking at us like we were nuts. I said, yeah, the Burnett show used to pull like a 33 share on a regular basis. But I mean, that just doesn't view for people anymore. They just, it doesn't compute. No. That's not possible. (laughs) Everything's so segmented now that it's just like, oh, we got a point three. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. You know? (laughs) Yeah. 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 We're winning the time slot. Right. Uh Uh-huh. Exactly. It's so different. It's crazy. It's a different, it's a totally different world. It really is. Yeah. You know, to, to do a skit like Mama on the show, and to have that character spin off into her own show, uh, appear on other shows, still something you perform now in twenty twenty, almost twenty twenty. I mean, what is it about Mama for you doing it and for the audience watching it that allows this character to transcend its origins and keep going decades later? I know, isn't it? Now, I'm so lucky she's an old woman. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's it's been a it's been a part I can grow into, which is very nice. Um, but I think everybody has a mama. Everybody has that woman in their family. And I think that's why she's so popular. Um, and we've all had those run-ins with our mother. And uh, I just think that that crazy old lady was at everybody's Thanksgiving table, saying the most outrageous things. Right. You know, and then when you're doing the dishes with your sister, you go, my God, can you believe she said that? Yeah. And then you say, yeah, she's right, you know, because I think you, you know, as you get older, you just finally earn the right to say exactly what you're thinking because you don't have enough time to go around in circles. You just say what you've been. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> so I think everybody knows her. I kind of feel mama is like Charlie uh, Archie Bunker. We all know him. We all have an Archie Bunker in our lives somewhere. None of us will ever fess up to being Archie Bunker, so none of us are ever offended by it. Uh, and I feel like Mama's the same way. We all know her. And and I agree with you. Well, I'll tell you, one one time, many, many years ago, when, I, when Mama was first on the air, like the beginning of the sketches on the Burnett show, right. my mother called me after the show one night, and she said, you know, you take that old lady way too seriously. And I went, wow. <laughs> Obviously, I'm hitting a nerve. (laughs) Is there something you want to talk about, Mom? (laughs) Really? Yeah. That's pretty good. (laughs) But but for you, is it it surprising at all just commonplace now that people still care about it, though, the character, so many years later? I know. It's pretty awesome. It is. It's it's very awesome. And the older people remember her from the Burnett show, and then there's a whole generation in there that doesn't really know about the Burnett show. They only know mama's family. Right. Uh, when we first started doing the show, I thought the audience was going to be an older audience, you know, from the Burnett show. And I was so surprised to see a whole uh, group of college guys one night at the show. And I actually stopped and asked them, I said, really? And they said, Oh my God, we would not have gotten through without mama. Would not have gotten through without Mama's family. So for them, it's uh, it, they love the show because they kind of found me backwards, and um, they would hear all those backstories from the from the Vicky half of the show, and they'd get on YouTube and they'd sort of find me backwards. Then I'd come back to the show and they'd say, "You were really hot back in the day," you know. It's like this weird Back to the Future thing. You just keep spanning these generations. Yeah, which is uh, very cool and. God love that old lady. She's still on TV. <laughs> That's right. You know, I think the back to it's very interesting to said Back to the Future because I mean, I was just watching those movies yet again the other day, and yeah. these things. It's great when you have these things that just 
and no pun intended for Back to the Future, transcend time. You know, it's it's yeah, it's no, amazing it's when awesome. you get those things. Yeah. And she it's still a funny little I think it's a lot of people's uh, guilty pleasure, Mama. It's just a silly little show. I was in New York doing a commercial. Um, it's, it's been a number of years now, but uh, I went alone and my husband called me uh, the morning of the shoot. And he said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm sitting in my beautiful hotel room that they got me. I'm having a lovely breakfast on my white linens, and I'm watching Mama, Mama's family and I am laughing out loud. I said, it's a funny show. <laughs> if I do say so myself, yes. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it was just, well, I, you know, it took me a lot of years to look at Mama and really see me at all. You know, like a lot of people won't watch themselves on TV. Right. And I watch Mama like she's not even me. I just laugh at her. And she's a funny old lady. But I, I honest to God, don't think of her as me. That's so funny. I don't know what that means. Well, that's what you're doing sure the two-woman show, co-star and mama. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, that's it. You know, I'll, I'll wrap this up in a minute. I just want – the one thing I do want to ask you, because you brought up the music thing before. When you're young and you get a single like The Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia, and it's such a big, giant hit, does it feel like it's going to propel you now in this whole new direction? Although you had been involved in music before, obviously, but – and then it doesn't do that is I'm just wondering what the feeling is when you, when you have this huge hit, which has got to be amazing, but then it doesn't follow through to allow you have the full blown music career that it would seem to indicate. Right. Well, it was a, again, it was a different time. Yeah. Um, but my story was uh, just an odd little, that's an odd little chapter in my life. I was married to the guy that wrote that song for like 10 minutes literally. Oh, wow. And it was sort of the only thing that came out of a totally dysfunctional marriage. And, um, he, he wrote the song, uh, he was doing his little demos one night of all his new material. And I, and he, when he was done, I said, well, what about Georgia? And he said, I hate that song. And I said, that song is a smash. And he said, yeah, well you do the demo then. Cause I don't like it. He, I, we did the demo. He gave it to his producer uh, out here in Hollywood right. who tried to give that to everybody because uh, he says it's a, pretty, it's a pretty good song. Tried to giving it to first. He was going to give it to Liza Minnelli. I said, it's not a Liza Minnelli song. He said, but I want to work with her. I said, okay, but this is not it. Right. And, uh, and then, I mean, it finally he said, I'm just going to, I'm going to take it to Cher. Uh, Cher never heard the song. Sonny heard it. And he said, this, it, it will offend the entire South. Cher won't do it. Hmm. unless it's rewritten. And Bobby said, I don't like the song. I'm not rewriting it. I don't, I want nothing to do with it. Hmm. So, um, I ended up doing the, I finally, his producer just literally threw his hands up. So let's just take Vicky in the studio and do it with her. Wow. So that's what happened. I lobbied long and hard for the guy that arranged that record. Um, because he had some things on the charts at the time that I loved. So it was a very different sound for this producer it was he was the one that gave it that kind of minor spooky sound and i think was largely responsible for for it sounding you know i think he was largely responsible for making it a hit right. uh because the first time i heard the arrangement his name is already butler the first time i heard the arrangement i i, I said i don't i get what he said same melody same melody it just sounds a little different and uh you know so it gave it that really spooky kind of a sound and and then when the thing became a hit, 
it was sort of the ultimate demise of an already doomed marriage. It was like, you know, Bobby became very jealous and, you know, it was like, what about me? Right. And then I had people saying, where in the hell have you been? And I'm saying, well, I've been on the Carol Burnett show. And they, they thought I was Vicki Carr. They, <laughs> they thought I was Carol Warren. They couldn't, right. Nobody could figure out because really, if you think about it, that was back in the day when you didn't cross pollinate as yeah. a celebrity. Movie stars never did television. That was like the kiss of death. Right. You know, you didn't do a commercial because that would just cheapen your career. You didn't. It was hard for a TV star to get into movies. Um, TV people didn't just randomly do music. You just didn't cross pollinate. Right. You know what I mean? And now if you don't do all of it, you're nobody. That's right. You're now you have to have um, <laughs> you don't do everything. Yeah, a, a movie and a TV show and a line of clothes and a line of makeup and commercials and you have to do it all it's exhausting so it was a different time very yeah, different time absolutely but did you go in pursuit what i and i guess what i'm wondering is was there like hey why isn't this happening again or did you kind of know that that was a one-off that that's just something special about that song? I, well as i said the whole song becoming a hit right. ended up in a divorce yes and then the producer called and said we you have to do an album uh, it, it's part of your contract. If you don't do the album, I'm going to have to sue you. Oh my God. So we went back into the <laughs> studio and did an album. He didn't like the arranger that I had picked to do Georgia. So we went back to his old arranger. So the whole album had a completely different sound than Georgia did. I mean, had I been in charge and older and smarter, right. I would have said, let's not break up the team that had the hit record, Yeah, which seems kind of obvious to me. But we did, and so I put this album out that was, you know, it was, I, my heart was not in it because it was just such a weird time in my life. Yeah, sure. It was like I really could not wait to get back to the Burnett Show and just have a nice time. The sanctuary of the Burnett so, Show. you yeah. know. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah. All right. Just a weird little chapter in my life. A little bump along the way. But it... <laughs> Yeah, but it ended up okay. I got a gold record, and I did get the dog in the divorce. I got the dog. See? There's a silver lining in every <laughs> cloud. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. So, so you know, when you look back at all this, Vicki, I mean, you know, yes, you're, you're, you're the spokesperson now, but you've had this career also that involves everything you've been through. What's sort of your assessment looking back? I mean, what are your overall feelings about what you've accomplished, you know, where you've gone in life, where you want to go in life still? Where are you at? <laughs> That's what I'm wondering. I, you know, I just feel like my career and my life has been such a gift. And I don't know. I've never planned it. It wasn't even really something I, it wasn't something I knew that I wanted to do. Um, I was reading an interview with Susan Sarandon a few years ago. And she said, uh, I was kidnapped by show business. And I went, Eureka, that's me. I was kidnapped by show business. Not to steal a line from Carol Burnett, but we're so glad we had this time together. To learn more about Vicki's efforts for CIU, please go to CIUandyou.com. And if you can, please subscribe to this podcast, give us a five-star review, and tell your friends about us. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you next time.